Jill Biden, the first lady of the United States, says that she will reject all competency tests for her husband. Zelensky says that America has to fund his war, or we will have to fight in a war that Russia will cause in the future. And last but not least, another train derails in Ohio, but again, the media is silent about this. No surprise there. You're watching The Demetrius Arujo Show, and I am your host, Demetrius Arujo. Without further ado, let's begin. I got facts over facts over tracks, this and that, spitting slow, spitting fast, I could roast, I could gas, think I'm okay at last, but I don't know if that can erase all the past. Digging into our first segment, let's start with Zelensky. What did he really say when he said America has to fight his war? This is a clip. The U.S. is never going to give up on the NATO member states. If it happens so that Ukraine, due to various opinions and weakening, depleting of assistance, uh, uh, loses, Russia is going to enter Baltic states, NATO member states, and then the U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters exactly the same way as we are sending their sons and daughters to war, and they will have to fight because it's uh, NATO that we're talking about, and they will be dying, God forbid, because it's a horrible thing. Yes. People are taking the sentence and posting it everywhere, but what exactly does this mean? This means that if Ukraine stops getting funding for the war from the American people and Ukraine loses that said war, then Russia will hypothetically move on to a NATO territory. But what is the likelihood of this happening? I say close to none because Putin may be dumb, okay, but he's not stupid. So. To summarize, Zelensky is spreading something called fear-mongering to keep us sending him billions of dollars so his wife can go to Paris and spend our money and he can show up here dressed all relaxed with no, with no suit on, with no tie on. It's disrespectful and it's a slap in the face of the American people. With that being said, let's move on to a dozen takes. So moving right into a dozen takes, or I should say, moving right into the headlines of the week. We actually have Jill Biden suggests that Joe will never take a comp competency test. So moving with starting right with this New York Post article, First Lady Jill Biden on Sunday said that it is ridiculous to consider GOP presidential hopeful candidate Nikki Haley to call to mandate mental competency tests for polls over 75, suggesting President Biden will never take one. Jill Biden said her and her husband, who are at the age of 80, is the oldest commander-in-chief of the United States and would be 82 at his inauguration if elected, would never even discuss something like that. And that's just showing you how, you know, this lodged both of them are from reality. If we have an 80-year-old as a commander-in-chief, wouldn't we want to make sure that your health, your mental health more specifically, is in order. You're a commander-in-chief of the pow most powerful military in the whole world, and you don't want to take a mental competency test. You, that's the bare minimum we sh we're supposed to do. If you are over 80, you need to take mental competency tests to keep your license because they know that at that age, mental health problems start eroding, um, 
your health starts disintegrating. It's, it's bad. Okay. Getting old is bad. Yes, we know. That's why we need to make sure that you can still keep your wits end about things and you can keep your, your know-how in, in your quick focus. Joe Biden, no, tripping up the stairs, not even knowing what he's saying, rambling, whispering into the microphone. It's just horrible. It's a horrible sight. We don't want to see it as as the citizen of the United States and you're protecting and serving us. It's just disgusting to see. We don't want to see it anymore. No, thank you, Joe. Moving on to the next article from the Daily Wire. Another Soulfolk Southern train derails as CEO testifies to Congress. Wow, what timing is that? Senators grilled the CEO on East Palestine, Ohio chemical train crash. Yet another Soulfolk Norfolk Southern train derailed on Thursday just as the company CEO was testifying to Congress about the dangerous chemical train crash in Ohio. The company said that about 30 empty cars on a Norfolk Southern train derailed in Alabama as it was traveling from Atlanta to Mississippi. Norfolk Southern is responding to a derailment in Pedmount, Alabama, the company said in a statement. There is no reports of injuries and no reports of hazardous materials released. The company said about 30 empty cars on Norfolk Southern train derailed in Alabama as it was traveling from Atlanta to Mississippi. Okay, so this is unacceptable. Now, this is the second time the same exact company is responsible for a train derailment. Why? Norfolk Southern is responding to a derailment in Alabama. The company said in a statement, there is no reports of injuries and no reports of hazardous materials released. And we are working in close coordination with local officials. Okay. So what's the reason why it happened again for the second time? How many times, how many chances and how many, how many tries would you like to have? Because we're not going to give you any more after this. Like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, now you're dead. Okay. That's the saying. That's my saying. Okay. You're, you're not the CEO anymore. You don't know how to manage your company. You don't know how to make sure that people around you are safe because we cannot be taking risks like this. Um, County Sheriff Matthew Wade said that there has been no injuries or property damage and there is no risk of hazardous materials, he said. The derailment occurred around the same time Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw appeared before the Senate to discuss other recent derailments, including a train carrying noxious chemicals that derailed in East Palestine, Ohio last month. Officials are still dealing with the fallout and cleanup around the accident site. They decided to go for a controlled burn and we already know the story um that was the wrong thing to do obviously and it released these top toxic chemicals into the air one of these chemicals was vinyl chloride a highly flammable substance used to make pvc and known to cause cancer hmm. residents of east palestine were initially evacuated but later told to return to their homes however Many are concerned that the dangerous materials have impacted air and water quality, and some residents have reported negative health effects, including trouble breathing, headaches, and damage to their voices. Animals have also died in the wake of the crash, including including thousands of fish. Okay, so you're responsible for all of those things. Norfolk Southern, the train company that is responsible for this, is responsible for every single penny to these people, okay? If they don't sue you into oblivion, I will. Moving on to the next segment, we are moving into a dozen takes. I don't ever smoke up. No, I don't take. I got no love. 
Starting up, we do have a CNN article, Biden to make first visit to Canada as president later this month. That's so funny because you're visiting other countries, but you can't even visit the states within the United States, and that's East Palestine, Ohio. Why did you not visit East Palestine, Ohio? But you want to see Justin Trudeau, your best friend in Canada. Why? Because you don't care about America, and you're not putting America first. You're putting America last. President Joe Biden will pay his first visit to Canada since taking office later this month for talks with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and an address to the country's parliament. The White House announced on Thursday, traditionally, a stop in the United States' northern neighbor is customary in the opening months of a presidency, but COVID-19 restrictions are and the all-consuming war in Ukraine delayed Biden's first visit to Canada until more than two years into his term, the delay hasn't appeared to have been dampened relations with Trudeau, though, a fellow liberal who is closely aligned with Biden on many of his policies. Still, there are some areas of disagreement on trade and immigration that will be hashed out during the visit. Oh, isn't that so nice? Set to occur in March 2020 three to march 24 oh he's gonna sleep the night over in justin trudeau's house no listen i hate this i hate every single inch of this if you're not gonna visit the train derailment and see the citizens that elected maybe not that area of the united states but the citizens more broadly that elected you into the united states you're not gonna visit the united states states first you're gonna visit the canadian states first why are you going to visit Canada when East Palestine is waiting for you at its doorstep? God, just because Trump went there, just because Trump went there, you don't want to make it seem like you're copying him. So you just signed that, send out Pete Booty Judge over here. Um, moving on to the next article from CNN, the growing movement to protect children from their government. Oh, wow. What are we doing now? While there is a growing political agreement on the right that children must be protected from indoctrination by government and schools, there is also news this week about a very real need for government to protect children for exploitation, such as in a series of scary stories about child labor. The two issues aren't related, but they speak to the involvement of government in the lives of the United States kids. Okay, so I'm going to stop you right there. We want our kids to learn about government. We want our kids. We want, I wanted to learn when I was in school, American history. That's our government. We need to learn about politics, but you cannot teach politi politics in a one-sided liberal or one-sided conservative view or a right-wing or left-wing view. You have to view politics in schools and teaching children in a center, a complete center, complete center, not center to the left, center to the right. No, complete center when you're talking about politics, or don't talk about them at all. If you don't want to talk about politics in a center-leaning uh, standpoint, then you cannot talk about this to our children, or me, or any person that goes to school at all, because we cannot have your opinions in the schools destroying the children's ability to make their own judgments on politics. You have to give the facts on both sides. You have to say the good, the bad, and the ugly about every single thing that you're teaching. That's the real teacher. And now you're giving the students the opportunity to learn and, and, and give their own opinion on the subject that you're teaching. That's a teacher you're teaching. You're not giving a, a speech because we're not going to you for your politics. We're going to you for your, our education.
protecting children from indoctrination, says CNN. The conversation about protecting kids from so-called indoctrination. What do you mean so-called indoctrination? You go to the school library and you see a sex book about gay sex or lesbian sex or sex at all. That should not be happening in schools. You want to take the Bible out of schools, but you do not want to take LGBTQ books out of schools or for that matter, any sexual books out of schools. Get all sexual books out of school. Just like do not have any sexual stuff in front of children at all. If it's straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, any single thing on the alphabet soup community or anything that is normal is straight. No sex at all in schools. No porn, no nothing, okay? If you're offended by this, you're the problem. No sex in front of children. No. God. The Florida example. In Florida, DeSantis' efforts to restrict what's in schools is the aim of avoiding graphic content and what he views as indoctrination has led to compelling reports that teachers are increasingly careful about what they can say. Good. Act like you are stepping on eggshells, teachers, because we have our eyes on you 360 days, 365 days out of the year, and we have our full scope, 360 degrees, on what you're teaching to our children. Watch out. You are teaching our children of America, the next generation of kids. That's why we need to keep you in line to make sure you're not stepping out of line and teaching them anything that they should not be taught. Okay? Okay? Capiche, capiche. Okay? But, says CNN, diversity can't be stopped. Soon, every race and ethnicity will be a minority. The country is changing and diversifying and growing. Many of Americans are under 18 and non-white, according to census data, says here. In fall 2009, 54% of United States schools were classified as white per the Department of Education. In the fall of 2020, that figure was 46. And by the fall of 2023... It will be 43%. The percentage of Asian, Hispanic, and multiracial students is growing. The percentage of black students is shrinking. I would pretty much give this the benefit of the doubt and say that it depends on where you're looking, okay? You look in Ohio, if you look in Texas, if you look, I mean, especially in border states, California, Texas, you're going to see more majority Hispanic, okay? And then if you look in other states like Massachusetts, it's, it's diverse. There's many different cultures. Maybe more Portuguese, but, you know, it depends on which, which area you're looking in Massachusetts. But to see, this thing is you can't just put a blank slate on this and say this is this. No, because each area of the United States is different on what cultures are in there, what diversities are in there, what, what ethnicities are in there. You can't just clear cut say this whole entire United States is majority this. This whole entire majority is this. Because it's, it, it's the average. It's never going to be 100% this, 100% this, 50% this, 30% this. Moving on to the next article from MSNBC, we actually have the House GOP's weaponization subcommittee is, also, is already imploding. Rep. Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, has a lot on his plate. His job as chair for the judicial committee positions him atop one of the primary forums for sparing with the Biden administration. But his side hustle, clearing a subcommittee focused on the weaponization of the federal government, is giving him all kinds of grief lately. The goal of the subcommittee is to deliver 
one of the biggest promises Republicans made during last year's election, producing proof that conservatives are victims. What do you mean proof? Look at the mainstream media. Look at everything. Look at schools. Look at look at the 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 parent-teacher organizations. Look at the school committees, and you can see that we were actually blocked from attending school committees, and they shut them down when parents started arriving. What do you mean proof? You don't need any more proof than opening your eyes. You don't need any more. The proof of pudding is in the tasting. If you if you open your eyes and you look at something, look at the screen in front of you, you will see clearly that a conservative is targeted. Duh. To conservatives get banned for saying anything on online. Let's take a look at several ways that Jim uh, that Jim Jordan and the committee are opposed to fail. First, there is so much he and other members of the pro-Trump wing has invested in. The grievances and conspiracy mongering. Okay, how about Russiagate? That's a conspiracy. CNN and MSNBC both peddled this lie for years. But are you going to be responsible for that? No. Are you going to take accountability and apologize to Trump for saying that he involved himself in Russia in a in a disgusting way that that puts America last and puts America under the bus? No, you're not. Because that did not happen. That did not happen on Trump's side. And you want to act like it does because it's for your political good. Jordan and his fellow Republicans have spent hours on Fox News, Newsmax, and right-wing podcasts and social media to hype these stories and connect them to a grand theory of wokeness. That is shifting speech and jailing innocent conservatives. Those are serious charges, and if the crimes are so obvious and the plot has already been uncovered, producing the evidence should be simple. And it is simple. Open your eyes. That's all you need. Open your eyes. Moving on to the next article from MSNBC, Tucker Carlson said that he hated Trump, so why does he defend him? Well, let's find out, according to MSNBC. Fox News host Tucker Carlson is arguably the most powerful advocate of Trumpism in America. It turns out that he also privately hates Trump, passionately. We know that because of new court filings from Dominion Voting Systems' lawsuit against Fox, a huge trove of Fox News staffers, private texts, and emails have been made public, and they are exposing the vast gulf between the public personas of Fox News, individual pundits, and their private beliefs. The Carlson revelations have been particularly juicy because they show how Trump's most prominent champion actually loathes him, and they illustrate how Carlson doesn't respect his viewers enough to speak to them truthfully about the problems that he believes Trump poses to the country. Okay, so where's the evidence for this? According to the findings, Carlson texted a co-worker two days before the January 6th committee on a January 6th attack on the United States Capitol expressing joy over Trump's imminent departure from the White House. We are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I truly can't wait. He added later in the text exchange, I hate him passionately. And he confessed that he can't handle much more of this. According to another exchange from an earlier finding, two days after the 2020 election, Carlson told a producer what he's good at is destroying things. And he's he's the undisciplined world champion of that. He can just easily destroy us if we play it wrong. It's so obvious. And in another exchange in the new findings, Carlson texted an unnamed person on November 2020 that he thought that Trump's 
unexpected refusal to attend Joe Biden's presidential inauguration was hard to believe and so destructive. When his interlocutor laminated that millions believe every word he says, Carlson replied, it's disgusting. I'm trying to look away. We also know from previous findings that Carlson categorized Trump on a text on January 6th as a demonic force and a destroyer. Okay, so see, the thing is that they're just taking one word or two words or three words or four words, whatever the heck. They're not taking full sentences. They're not taking his full words. And I can almost guarantee you that this is taking out of context. Why would he put his career on the line and text one of his producers up? It doesn't make any sense. Moving on to the next article, we actually have an NPR article. Senators grilled the Norfolk Southern CEO over the East Palestine rain disaster, train disaster. In a bipartisan fashion, Senators on Environmental and Public Works Committee held a hearing on Thursday calling for answers from railroad executives and federal emergency response officials as they seek justice for residents in East Palestine, Ohio. The hearing explained that environmental and public health threats from last month's train derailment in which several train car trunk cars carrying hazardous materials caught fire and released toxic chemicals into the air soil and groundwater in and around cra the crash site during questioning lawmakers asked about paid sick leave for workers the environmental safety after this bill and what no folk southern is doing to help residents I'm terribly sorry for the impact that the, this train derailment has had on the folks of the of that country, a community, said Alan Shaw, CEO of Norfolk Southern. Yes, it is my commitment and Norfolk Southern's commitment that we are going to be there for as long as it takes to help East Palestine thrive and recover. In response to questions from the committee chair, Senator Tom Carper Shaw said that the company was prepared to be there for 10 years from now, if that's what it takes to recover but he made no explicit monetary or research commitments. EPA Regi Regional Administrator Deborah Shore testified that the agency issued an administrative order last month that will hold Norfolk Southern accountable for all EPA costs related to the cleanup and restoration of East Palestine. If the company doesn't comply with the EPA's order, then the EPA can step in and continue to work there so there is no disruption in the essential cleanup, Shore said. We will be vigorous about holding the company accountable, and they should be held accountable. Asking about paid leave and healthcare needs, Senator Bernie Sanders asked Shaw if he would make a commitment to give paid sick leave for all workers. I am, commitment, I am committed to speaking to our employees about quality of life issues that are important to them, Shaw said. Railroad companies came under pressure at the end of the year when unions threatened to go on strike twice over the lack of sick leave in proposed union contracts. Congress ultimately passed a bill that mandated unions accept the contract without the sick leave asked for. Okay, good. Sanders also echoed questions from colleagues on whether or not the company will cover the health care costs of East Palestine residents. She sa Shaw said everything is on the table. Senator Lindsey Graham, who called on the Biden on Biden to visit Ohio, also asked Shaw if he felt it would be safe to live in East Palestine. I believe that the air is safe. I believe that the water is safe. Okay, so how about the ground? How about the area? So you, you think that the air and water? How about the dirt? How about growing stuff? There's so much more to living than air and water. Senators call for more regulations. Yeah, we should have more regulations. But the thing is that we can't go crazy. We have to make sure that you need to be mandated to check the railroads once a year at bare minimum 
And I think that that's about it. If you check the railroads, then you would tell that that railroad is not good. Fix it, okay? Just keep an eye on your railroads. That's all I'm asking for. It's not that hard to, to maintain. Moving on to the next article from NPR, or I guess moving into the next article from Breitbart, Fact check. Joe Biden claims MAGA Republicans want to cut Social Security and Medicare. Listen, we do, but we don't want to admit it. Claim. President Joe Biden said on Thursday that MAGA Republicans want to gut entitlement programs such as Social Security and Medicare. Now, first of all, that's not us that want to do that. It's the Social Security and Medicare organization itself that released a statement saying that in 2030, we will run out of funding for those benefits. So who's stopping what? Is it the money that's running out of the system or is it the Republicans that are just looking at the statement that it itself released and then saying that, oh, because of the statement, we need to stop this organization. We need to stop this entitlement program if there's not enough money to go around. Are you going to pay more taxes out of your paycheck every single week because you want grandma to get more money? Or are we going to just stop grandma in her tracks and say, listen, you're going to be getting your money that you paid into for the system. But for me, our younger generation, Gen Z, millennials, we're going to stop paying for your system. Okay. No more people from this point on gets to go on social security and Medicare. That's a cutoff. Boom. No more Medicare, no more social security. Now, once everybody, God willing, passes away that is on Medicare and social security, then no more. That system is done. We need to get away from it. Now, Republicans know that they can't say this because that will make them lose in 2024. So we need to wait until 2028. Okay? That's when this that's when it's very close. That's when the election matters in the form of Social Security and Medicare. Verdict. False. Leading Republican said that tax cut that said oh my god, I can't talk. Have said cuts to Social Security and Medicare are not up for consideration during a speech in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. On Thursday, discussing his budget plan, he said that he would excuse me. He said that he would protect Social Security and Medicare, and claimed that Republicans want to slash spending for the entitlement programs. I will protect Social Security and Medicare, guaranteed. I won't allow it to be gutted or eliminated as MAGA Republicans want to do. He then said that his budget proposal will not cut benefits or sunset programs. Um, this is a repeated line of attack against Republicans, which Biden used to contrast his administration against Republicans during the State of the Union address in February. However, as readers may know, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said that cuts to entitlement programs are not on the table during the continuing debt ceiling negotiations. Former President Donald Trump told Breitbart News, Washington Bureau Chief Matthew Boyle, that he will never cut Social Security if elected again. Okay, so that's not good. You can't say that. You can't say that you can't. You will never cut Social Security. Okay, so are you going to fund it yourself? Because I'm not paying more taxes for that. No, thank you. I pay too much already. One penny is too much for this government of us, the United States. Moving on to the next article from Fox News, we have Biden's budget takes aim at fossil fuel industry with tax hikes. Well, get ready for... Get ready for more prices at the pump. Moving on with this article, Biden, President Biden unveiled his proposed budget for fiscal year 2024 on Thursday, which in part took aim at billions of dollars of tax subsidies the White House said benefit the fossil fuel industry. According to the White House, the proposed budget would strip $31 billion worth of special tax treatment for oil and gas company 
investments in addition to other fossil fuel tax preferences. The release further criticized oil companies for raking in record profits last year and for failing to invest in greater energy production. The president is committed to ending tens of billions of dollars in federal tax subsidies for oil, oil and gas companies, even as they benefit from billions of dollars in special tax breaks. Oil companies have failed to invest in the population, the White House said in a statement. However, oil and natural gas hit record production levels and it is predicted to stick up higher in coming years. Federal data released this week showed Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm also applauded fossil fuel companies Wednesday for ramping up production to record levels, crediting the industry for helping to stabilize the world during the global energy crisis last year. In addition, Biden administration acknowledged that last month that a that a figure reportedly cited by Biden also showed fossil fuel companies sitting on more than 9,000 unused drilling permits were inaccurate. The president has pointed out to to the figure as evidence of lacking investment in domestic production. The claim what they were going to get 30 the claim that they were going to get 31 billion dollars from just ramping oil and gas subsidies is obviously absurd. Mike Paul Politis, the federal affairs manager at the American tax reform, told Fox News in an interview. The Inflation Reduction Act already raises taxes on energy, $20 billion in energy hikes, in place of next year. Biden's back here saying that they will get $31 billion more in tax increases on oil and gas, he said. All things are going to be passed on the, to the consumer for the higher utility bills, energy costs, price of gasoline, Pelotas noted that the budget notably didn't identify as single subsidy that it is proposed to scrap. He also highlighted that the vast majority of energy subsidies are directed to the green energy industry, of course. So we're going to invest heavily in something that even Joe Biden says that we're 50, maybe 100 years back from. How about you invest in things that we need now? We need gas now. We need oil now. We need natural gas and natural oil now. That's what we need for our cars. Moving on to the next article from Breitbart, we actually have RuPaul attacks laws prohibiting drag shows for children. Drag queens are the Marines of the queer movement. Okay, so RuPaul, you're stupid. First of all, why do you want to put on your creepy little sexual show in front of children? Why? Do you have a children fetish in which case we can arrest you? Or do you have a child fantasy going on in your in your brain? Because if you do, then that's creepy, that's disgusting, and you should be arrested. If you don't, then what is the need in moving your body in a, in a sexual way in front of children? Why? Why is that? You don't have an answer. Exactly. The queen of all drag queens, RuPaul, has spoken out against legislation in states, including Tennessee, banning drag shows for children, arguing conservatives are trying to distract the public from more important problems. Like what? You're indoctrinating and you're ruining a whole generation of kids. What's more important than that? What? The war in Ukraine? No. No. Drag queens are the Marines of the queer movement, he added. RuPaul called the bills a classic distraction technique. 
in an Instagram post Wednesday, while also encouraging his followers to donate to the ACLU. Hey, look over there, a classic destruction technique, distracting us away from the real issues that are that they voted into office to focus on. Jobs, healthcare, keeping our children safe from harm at their own school, RuPaul said. We know that these that bullies are incompetent at solving issues. They look for easy targets so they can give the impression of being effective. They think our love, our light, and our laughter, and our joy are signs of weakness, but they're wrong because this is our strength. Okay, so your strength is dancing in front of children in a in a sexual way? He continued, drag queens are the marines of the queer movement. Don't get it twisted, and I and don't be distracted. Register to vote so we can get these stunt queens out of office. And put some smart people with real solutions into government, i.e. anybody that says anything that he says to do. He wants the government official to to listen to him. He says jump. The government official says how high. He says go all the way. And that's exactly how he wants this thing to work. Now, you're disgusting. You want to dance in front of children in a sexual way. You're disgusting. That's it. As Breitbart News, as Breitbart News reported, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee recently signed into law a legislation that prohibits sex change operations, cross-sex hormone therapy, and puberty blockers for children who are attempting to transition in addition to prohibiting drag performances on public property and in the presence of children. Similar legislation is in the works, and in other states including Nebraska, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Dakota, and North Carolina, or I mean South Carolina. As a result, drag queens have become the left's latest victim class, with the media portraying them as targets of anti-LGBTQRSTVWXYZ hate. The news media have also sought to portray drag queens as First Amendment pioneers. They're not. Arguing attempts to halt drag shows for children infringe on their constitutional right. Okay, so do kids have the constitutional right to go to a strip club? No, they don't. So why do you think that you have the constitutional right to dance like you would at a strip club in front of children, but call it gay? Why do you think that? You're delusional. Moving on to the next article from, moving on to the next article from Fox News, we actually have Jeffrey's questions report of Biden reversing border detainment policy says Dems, Dems overwhelmingly against it. Okay, so Biden reversed a border detainment policy that AOC went and took pictures in front of an empty parking lot on the Texas border. She went to the border. She took pictures in front of the border and she started crying because Trump was detaining families and she was separating families. But now Joe Biden is going to go and do the same exact thing. But he says that he hated it under Trump. Oh, but you're the one doing the same thing now. Why do? You, why are you doing it now if you hated it so much under Trump? House Major Minority Leader Heckam Jeffries on Thursday rebuffed questions on President Biden's uh, reversal of derailment, I mean, detainment policies at the Mexican border. Jeffries saying that it is not apparent to him Biden is also, was even considering the policy shift added that House Democrats stood firm against the detention of migrant families. It's not clear to me that it is being considered, Jeffrey said. What is clear to me is that the House Democrats overwhelmingly, if not uniformly, believe that the family separation is not a policy that should be pursued. The Biden administration is 
reportedly considering the re reversal of a policy that would detain migrant families who crossed the southern border illegally amid the expected exploration of Title 42. The deliberation of the White House, first reported by the New York Times, comes after Biden put an end to several policies used by former President Donald Trump administration to crack down on the heavily heavy flow of immigrant migrants i mean illegal migrants into america addressing a lack of communication from the white house on the validity of the reports jeffries claimed secretary of homeland security Al alendro mayor met with the hispanic and progressive caucuses about the issue however jeffries said that it is not familiar with the the with the details of the meeting, because he does not want to say anything. Um, with respect to the communication on sp the specifics of this issue, there was a conversation between the Homeland Security and members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, and I believe members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, Jeffrey said. I haven't been fully briefed on the meeting, so I'll refrain from any further comment until I hear from our members. Well, you should start listening to the meetings that you attend. Moving on to the next Moving on to the next article, we actually have a Daily Wire article. More taxes and more spending. Here's what you need to know about the President Biden's newest budget. President Joe Biden unveiled record spending and several new tax increases on Thursday in his budget proposal for physical year 2024. The suggested $6.9 trillion for federal government operations between October 1st and September 30th, 2024 would mark a $1.1 trillion increase from the $5.8 proposed by the Commander-in-Chief for the previous physical years. Um, House Republicans are expected to reject the proposal and counter a budget of their own. This year's bu budget cuts the deficit by nearly $3 trillion over the next decade by asking the wealthy to pick and big corporations to begin to pay their fair share. So they're going to move out. Office of Management and Budget Director... Shalina Young said in a statement, It does this in part of referring, reforming our tax code to reward work, not wealth, including to ensure that no billionaire pays a lower tax rate than a teacher or a firefighter, and by quadrupling the tax on corporate stock buybacks. The budget proposal is indeed marked with a number of tax hikes on households, including a 25% minimum tax on those who make more than 100, with more than $100 million in wealth, and that the budget calls a billionaire minimum tax. The top marginal tax rate would be increased to 39.6% from the current 37%, which would represent a return on levels never seen before in tax cuts in jobs and Job Act of 2017, the hallmark legislative accomplishment for former President Donald Trump. The budget would also increase the investment income tax used to fund Medicare from 3.8% to 5% for individuals earning more than $400,000 per year. A movie that a move that is the White House, a move that the White House claims would extend the solidity of the medical health insurance trust fund. For at least 25 years. Joe Biden obviously does not know how to budget. He never knew how to budget. He's been working in politics for almost all of his life. So obviously he does not know how to manage money because he never had to manage money. He just had to keep spending money. 
with that being said, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for enjoying. And if you like this episode of the Demetrius Hero Joe Show, be sure to like and subscribe down below because I post new episodes of my show on every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on all the podcast viewing platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of them. Thank you all for watching, and I hope they have a great rest of your day. Bye.